Welcome back to Season 10 of the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we connect the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning that's finally being taught in our schools today, and emotional intelligence training used in our modern workplaces for improved well-being, achievement, productivity, and results using what I saw as the missing link, the application of practical neuroscience. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, and launched this podcast five years ago with the goal of bringing all the leading experts together in one place to uncover the most current research that would back up how the brain learns best, taking us to all new and often unimaginable heights. For today's episode number 294, we're going back to the basics with the fundamentals of understanding how our mind works that started for me with Bob Proctor's Youth Mentor International program that I was the executive director with until the program dissolved with the September 11th, 2001 tragedy. This past weekend, I actually reviewed all these cassette tapes, and when I got to the last one, the tape had broken. I didn't want to miss out on anything that might be important that I could share with you here, so I watched a YouTube video on how to fix a broken cassette tape. And what do you know, it actually worked. Times really are different than the days we used to carry these cassette tapes around with our Sony Walkmans. But what came through loud and clear to me was that the message and lessons that we were teaching those teens were timeless. And it all began with an understanding of our mind, how it works, and then how to use it. The program consisted of six series. Series one was the fundamentals, and you can see the tapes and the image in the show notes. Series two went into the importance of your attitude. Series three was your self-image. Series four was how to set and achieve goals. Series five was all about the laws of the universe and how to use these laws for your health and your relationships. And series six reviewed all the lessons with the goal that the teens would experience praxis or the integration of their beliefs with their new behaviors. And it was strange for me to hear some of these tapes that were recorded back in early 2001. We used conference call technology back then. But what was interesting to me was hearing the teens explaining exactly how these timeless principles were helping them. Teens would call into a conference call line and they'd call from all over the world and they'd meet with Bob Proctor monthly to review these lessons and how they were actually applying them. And nothing made him happier than hearing someone applying what he had dedicated his life teaching. And I know it surprised him that the teens seemed to pick up these concepts quickly. Well, this makes sense to me now that we know how neuroplasticity works and how it's much easier for a young person to learn something new because their brains are more plastic and they also have less habits to overcome than an adult. I listened to one call, and there was this young guy named Greg, and he shared how he used visualization to go from last place on his golf team to being the third highest on his team. And I wondered why he picked the third highest and not first on his team, but anyway, that was his goal, and he achieved it. 
We asked him, hey, Greg, what exactly did you do when you were visualizing? And he said that he put himself at the fifth hole on the golf course, and he pictured himself hitting the club, feeling the wind on his face, and he imagined where the ball would land. His vision was clear and specific, and listening to him talking was something else. He was confidently telling the others all over the world how he achieved his goal. And Greg had mastered tape two of the fundamentals. This was thinking in pictures. He also mastered tape three, using his conscious mind and his senses to set his goal, and he even showed us how he felt it. Then he mastered tape four when he threw his goal into his subconscious mind. And tape six, he was able to review exactly what he had done, inspiring all the others on this call. No wonder these kids caught my attention back then. There's nothing like hearing how young people from countries all over the world were helping each other to create exciting lives. If you look at the date on the cassette tape that I put in the show notes, it was just months before September 11th, 2001 happened, and the program would dissolve before Series 4, 5, and 6 were even created. But I hope that sharing these ideas with you will help someone somewhere in the world to implement these ideas that I saw working so well with those teams. So for today's episode number 294, we'll cover tape five and dive into going beyond our five senses, understanding and using the six faculties of our mind. We'll cover what are the six faculties of the mind and how do they relate to going beyond the five senses. We'll look at where Napoleon Hill talks about these six faculties in his best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich. We'll look at where neuroscience fits into our understanding of these faculties to help us to understand our inside world. And this will be a starting point for all of us to develop and practice our own six faculties of our mind that will give us an edge as we're working on our 2023 goals. Now, if I were to ask you, can you name the higher faculties of your mind? I'm pretty sure that maybe two out of a hundred could list them all off. And this is something else that blows my mind because I clearly remember being taught about all of our five senses in school. You know, we were tasting salt and sugar, and then we had to write about our senses. It's what we could see, hear, smell, taste, and touch that allowed us to make sense of our outside world. But what about our inside world? If we can learn to understand, fully develop, and then use our higher faculties, we'll experience life at higher levels than just living through the five senses alone that we saw in our last episode 293 with David Eagleman's work, where he showed us there's so much more than the human eyes can see. Napoleon Hill talks about these higher faculties in chapter five of his best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich. He says, an educated man is not necessarily one who has an abundance of general or specialized knowledge. An educated man is one who has so developed the faculties of his mind that he may acquire anything he wants or its equivalent without violating the rights of others. Just as we have five senses that help us to experience the outside world, we also have non-physical, creative faculties that can help us to experience our inner world. 
And when I first learned about these faculties, I got so excited. Look how Napoleon Hill describes our imagination. He says imagination is the most marvelous, miraculous, inconceivably powerful force that the world has ever known. When you start to use your imagination, like that young boy Greg did with his golf game, changing your results and entire future with this skill, I can't imagine that you wouldn't get as excited as I do and wonder how you can use this marvelous, inconceivably powerful force in your life. When I started to see that science could explain some of these ideas that might seem kind of spiritual in nature, or my friend Greg Link, who worked with Dr. Stephen Covey, would say woo-woo, and it just helped me to have more confidence as I continued to develop and use these faculties. They started to become my superpower. And what's interesting that I was reminded of when I listened to those teens talking about how they were using these faculties to improve their relationships, to get better grades, or like Greg's story where he used these ideas to improve his results in sports that helped him to get into the college he wanted to attend, we all have the ability to use and develop these faculties for outstanding results or a razor's edge advantage in our own lives. Now, before diving into our six higher faculties, our reason, our intuition, our perception, our will, our memory, and imagination, let's see what science has to say about our higher faculties. We know many visionaries have used their intuition and dreams to create life-changing ideas, but Albert Einstein would say something profound about one of these faculties. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. And I know that Stanford professor Dr. Andrew Huberman has covered what happens in the brain during visualization on his podcast. He covered this on his episode, How to Learn Skills Faster. And he talks about three components of learning any new skill. He talks about first, the sensory perception, where you're perceiving what you're doing using your five senses. Then he talks about movement that involves something called our central pattern generators, and it's located in the spinal cord, and it generates repetitive movements like walking and running. And when we're really good at something, this part of our brain controls our movement. Then he talks about proprioception, and he says it's like a sixth sense, or knowing where your limbs are in relation to our body. Now, I'm always looking to see if the research could possibly support the results that I saw working over and over again over the years. And while Dr. Huberman goes deep into the way our brain works when acquiring a new skill and what part of the brain is active when we become really good at a new skill, to me, he also explains that when learning a new skill, we can use our five senses and our outside world that he calls sensory perception and that we can look outside of ourselves with what he calls proprioception. And he also explains what part of our brain becomes active with visualization. And I think the key is that with practice, we move from using our upper motor neurons in our brain to a whole new area that he says was called the central pattern generators when the skill becomes highly developed. And I thought about Greg talking about his golf swing that he practiced using visualization until he mastered the skill enough to take his results to new heights. And he went from last place to third from the top. And so from using Huberman's research, 
Over time, Greg began using a different part of his brain for playing golf. The practice he was doing would change his future and put him in the college of his choice. I wish I had kept in touch with all the teens in this program. I only follow the original 12, but I would bet that Greg continued to use this skill for the rest of his life for improved results in college and then into his career. Then I looked at another episode that Dr. Huberman did with Rick Rubin. He's an American record executive, and the episode was called How to Access Creativity. And I did cover some of Dr. Huberman's research on part four of the Silva Mind Control Method, but I thought it was fitting that Rick Rubin, while discussing the creative process with Dr. Huberman, says it's important to pay attention to physical sensations in your body in your creative pursuits. Similarly, neuroscientist Antonio Damasio would call this term interoception. So I know I'm not far off from what the research says as we cover the six faculties of our mind and how to develop them for a razor's edge advantage. The first faculty is our reason. We talked about our ability to think and reason on our last episode, 293, which is a skill that can help us to understand things on a deeper level. We have the incredible ability to think, and then we can decide if we like an idea and accept it, or we can reject the idea. We use this ability to reason to put our thoughts together and create ideas. So how do we develop our reasoning faculty? Have you ever participated in brainstorming sessions or think tanks with others? Mastermind sessions like this allow each person to use this faculty. You write down ideas on idea maps and you discuss the pros and cons of whatever ideas are thrown out. Meetings like this are highly creative and new advancements in business often begin this way when two or more minds get together and their thinking and reasoning faculties are exercised. The next faculty is our intuition, and this faculty I could spend a year talking about. This is where we learn how to read the energy we feel around us, and we can all do this. You pick up the vibe of another person just by feeling their energy. Remember Antonio Damasio called this interoception, or learning to listen to what we feel from within our body. And with practice, we can learn to trust what we feel and become confident using this tool. So how do we develop our intuitive faculty? The best way I've seen is to ask for feedback when you think and feel something about someone. When you can see you're on the right track, you'll gain confidence with this skill and you'll just keep learning to use it. The third faculty is our perception. David Eagleman talks about this faculty in his book, The Brain, and wow, can his work really bend your mind. Just search for the word perception in his book and you'll see it come up 26 times and he gives examples of how our brain tricks us in many different ways and he explains that our brains are constantly pulling information from the environment and they use it to steer our behavior. And he reminds us of Freud's work that our minds work like an iceberg and the majority of it is hidden from our awareness. So with this in mind, when we perceive something, remember we're seeing it from only our point of view with our senses that we know are limited. So how do we develop our perception faculty? 
Try seeing things from someone else's point of view and see if this changes your perception of a situation. And we did talk about this strategy in depth on a recent episode 289 with Dr. Myesha Claiborne, and she reminded us to look at a situation from three points of view, our own, from the other person's shoes, and then look at the entire situation as if you were looking at all points of view from up above. And this will help you to see that your point of view isn't the only possible route, and it will help you to develop and improve empathy with this practice. The fourth faculty is your will, and this is another one of my favorite faculties. This one gives you the ability to concentrate. While sitting down to write this episode, I've gotten up from my desk a few times, but I'm determined to finish writing this so I can record and release this today. That's the will at work. You can also use the will to hold a thought on the screen of your mind or choose thoughts of success over thoughts of failure. If you have a highly evolved will, you'll lock into doing something, you'll block out all distractions, and you'll accomplish what you set out to do. So how do you develop this faculty? Developing the will takes practice. Meditation can strengthen your will, but so can staring at a candle flame until you and the flame become one. I tried this activity in my late 20s, and I remember it was a few hours of staring at this candle flame before I was able to block out the distractions of the outside world and the flame extended towards me. This faculty, like the others, takes time and practice, but once you've developed this faculty, you'll know you have the ability to sit, focus, and do anything. The fifth faculty is your memory. And we've covered memory on many episodes, but my favorite one was with Chris Farrow, who's a two-time Guinness World Record holder for the most decks of playing cards memorized. And this is another faculty that requires practice, and most of us don't practice this skill. A highly developed memory can be valuable in all types of work, and most people who have a highly developed memory share that they use certain strategies to remember things, usually by association and even by ridiculous association, to help make memory stick. So how do you develop this faculty? Well, Chris Farrow has a memory program through his website, farrowmemory.com. And when I was listening to those youth mentoring tapes, Bob actually suggested a memory program through Nightingale Conant. Whatever method you choose to improve your memory, it begins with a system or a strategy. Names are sometimes difficult for me, especially on the hiking trails or when I meet someone that I see often. I try to associate the person's name with someone I know already, someone that they might remind me of to make their name stick. Now the sixth faculty is our imagination, and I've saved my favorite faculty to cover last. This faculty, when developed, gives you incredible creative power. Remember Napoleon Hill said it to be the most marvelous, miraculous, inconceivably powerful tool that the world has ever known. And Albert Einstein said imagination is more important than knowledge. This is where the power comes in. And honestly, if I hadn't have seen all the people who over the years use their imagination faculty to create what many would say to be impossible and then go out and accomplish exactly what they'd imagined, I'm not sure I'd believe it all myself. So how do you develop this faculty? 
This is what the Think and Grow Rich book study program we did was all about, as well as learning to visualize with the Silva method. The important thing to note here is that you must be careful what you wish for. Remember Greg with the teen program, and he wished to be the third best on his team, and that's exactly what he achieved. Why not go for the top? If I swear to you, I believe it's possible. And this is how I did it recently. So at the start of 2023, when setting my goals, I put them all in written form and I made sure that they stretched me. Remember, if you've listened to the interview with Brian Proctor, if your goal doesn't stretch you, there won't be any inspiration in it. The end of January, I was starting a new corporate position, going back into sales and working for someone else, something I hadn't done in 10 years. Selling my own programs into the schools, there was pressure, but if I didn't make a sale, I wouldn't have a sales manager asking me to explain my pipeline. So this was a new experience, and I wrote down I wanted to be a leader in sales in my division. Then the work began. After I'd written the goal, I would read it aloud every morning, and many mornings it felt weird, especially when I was last on my team. But like Greg proved, even someone who's last can do things a certain way and become first. It took me six months, and a series of sales has now led me to be the leader of my division. And I honestly didn't believe it to be possible until maybe the fourth or fifth month. And it all began when I took my imagination and just started to dream. And that was just one of the goals I wrote down at the start of the year. So be careful what you wish for. You might get exactly what you dreamed of. There's no limits to our creative ability. I always believe this to be possible, especially for others. But doing something yourself gives you an incredible amount of belief. I hope whatever it is that you want, that you've imagined on the screen of your mind, that you get it, and then I hope you'll show others the way forward. All great inventions are created in two places, the mind of the inventor and then in the world when they create their vision. So to review and conclude this lesson, I hope you'll go back and review episode 291 on unleashing the power of our subconscious mind and episode 293 on our conscious mind and five senses, which will prepare you for this final episode on going beyond our five senses, understanding and using the six faculties of our mind. Today, as a reminder, we covered what are the six faculties of our mind and how do they relate to going beyond our five senses. And the five senses help us to see the outside world and the six faculties help us to strengthen our inner world. We looked at where Napoleon Hill talks about these six faculties in his best-selling book, Think and Grow Rich. And then we looked at where neuroscience fits into our understanding of these faculties to help us to understand our inside world and how even Albert Einstein used these faculties. And he said that imagination was more important than knowledge. And this will create a starting point for all of us to develop and practice our six faculties of the mind that will give us an edge when we're working on our 2023 goals. I hope you found the past few episodes to be helpful for using your mind and to think and create the goals you'd like for yourself and others in 2023 and beyond. 
I've included a link to some worksheets I created for students of these six faculties in the resource section of the show notes. These are old lessons, but like I said with the cassette tapes, the content is still applicable over 20 years later. So feel free to download these lessons and use them as you'd like. And coming up next, we have Mike Bordick, who spent 14 years with a major league baseball career, and he's now looking at neuroscience and youth. We'll be talking to futurist and behavioral scientist Chris Marshall, who will prepare us for the uncertainty of tomorrow. And then we've got a fascinating interview with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols on his book and movement, The Blue Mind, which is all about the surprising science that shows how being near, in, or underwater can make you happier, healthier, and more connected. I'll see you next weekend. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 